everybody. This is Sarah Smith with Girls on Film, and I'm here with my co-host, Teresa Roth. Hey, Teresa. Hey, Sarah. Hi, everybody. And our other co-host, director, engineer, Port Wilson. Good afternoon. There you go. Um, we are quarantined. It's May of 2020, and we're all separate, and we'd love to see each other again sometime soon. I don't know when that will happen, but we are so happy today because we have a guest on that I think we'll find interesting, a lovely international lady named Rhoda Wilson, who is a director, producer, entrepreneur, and a go-getter. I have found her to be a great go-getter. Rhoda, thank you so much for coming on the Girls on Film podcast out of Atlanta, Georgia. I appreciate it so much. I am excited and thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm we looking love forward you. to the questions. <laughs> great. Well, I'm going to let Teresa, I'm going to ask Teresa to jump in. Oh, okay. Hey, Rhoda. You know, I understand that you're in the production business, and I'm interested to know, you know, just what kind of productions does you, do you do, does your company do? Uh, we, we are based in London, and so our productions are mainly towards uh, kids and also, uh, I guess, TV series. Um, I started out doing my talk show, uh, the Rhoda Wilson Show, where I did lots of series of uh, that talk show. And uh, as a result of that, I transferred our skills to doing TV series uh, uh, in terms of uh, drama, soap. Um, I don't know what to call it out in America. Uh, but uh, that's, that's what I do. And I also do uh, films as well for kids because I do believe that the children are future and we've got to invest in them. So my my productions at the moment have been geared towards uh, um, children's feature films. That sounds great. Well, who inspired you to get into the business? How did you get started? Wow, that is actually, oh, wow, we've got time. Okay, let me see. How did we get started? Actually, I wasn't born in, in London. I was born in Lagos, Nigeria. And when I came to, to the UK uh, when I was 17, um, I felt that uh, there wasn't enough role model in, in the UK. And having spent more time in the UK, I realized that we desperately need a platform that would portray um, and promote uh, role models. And uh, so I started out doing the Rhoda Wilson show back in 2004 or so 2005. I can't remember. I know it's been a long time ago. And that production itself was to bring on guests, that uh, African guest or uh, uh, any any guest that... Uh, are actually supporting the promotion of Africans and Africa as a whole. And so the Rhoda Wilson show was started out uh, from that, really. And um, I've been ran for a few years, and uh, it was successful. And because of that, I was invited to South Africa uh, for the uh, African Union uh, inauguration, which I met uh, all the presidents in Africa at the time. And uh, it, was, it was really, really good. And uh, so having gone through crisis of my own and uh, obviously without, you know, personally my fault and also uh, crisis out of control uh, of myself is um, I then decided to embark on uh, on doing production itself, whereby I decided, I look, I'm not going to be in front of the camera anymore. I'm going to be behind the camera. So I started out being a, a producer for, uh, for other productions and uh, also developing my own production as well, which ended up being a success. And gradually that has kind of uh, evolved. And uh, over the years, I've ended up doing more production and more production and, and just keep going. That's great. Well, tell us a few of those productions and how can we see them? Are they on uh, YouTube or anything like that? Uh, no, because uh, the reason at the moment I haven't got my production on YouTube, I mean, the production I've done is like the Christmas movie, uh, Miracles of the Christmas Angels, Christmas in London, and the Christmas Gift. The reason not on YouTube at the moment is because uh, I just felt that you have to promote your project on YouTube a lot to generate the views that you need to subsequently generate the income that you rightly deserve. Right. So as a result of that, it's not on YouTube. But Housewives and Girlfriends, which is one of my main uh, production, which is what I did after I left the Rhoda Wilson show. I mean, the Rhoda Wilson show obviously is on YouTube. You can pick that up. You can have a look at it. And, uh, and, and it's there. But Housewives and Girlfriends is on Amazon Prime at the moment. Uh, just season one. Season two is not on Amazon Prime. 
and um, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's how people can and can get to watch it. Uche, what is it? Ah, brother, is that how you put your sister? As you could see, I'm on my way out. I have no time for pleasantries. If it is not very serious, we meet. We see at home. I need money. I want school fees. School fees. So your appointment's in five minutes. We really need to go now. Ah, uh, uh, what's your own now, eh? What's your business? Better be. I need uh, money, please. How much are we talking about? How much? No, it's only three thousand. Three thousand. Ah, three k. Why are you panicking like this? You think I pluck money from the tree or money comes all over the pavements? You have it. I know you have it. You give me that three thousand. So we really need to go now. Well, so. I, you know what? what? It's your own. Now you have to come back next week to collect the money. Uh, there's no next week. We really have to go right now. But at the moment, obviously, we're talking to distributors because I, I like Christmas movie. Uh, the reason I like Christmas movie because I think, you know, it's um, it's always a feel-good uh, movie. And uh, I also believe that because I'm in the UK and there are lots of kids, I could actually, you know, tap into those skills of the kids to, to make movies uh, and, uh, and, and put it out there. So for now, the Christmas, apart from Miracles of the Christmas Angel, which is with my distributor in LA, uh, the other uh, Christmas movie are, are with me at the moment. So, I mean, obviously, we, we are in discussion with uh, distributors to take it up for Christmas. Right. Well, I'm, I have Amazon, so I'll definitely look up that show. Me too. Me too. And I'm just looking at, I'm just looking at it on IMDb, Rhoda, and I love the pictures. I love the title. Oh, thank, um, thank you. It's, 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 and it's from 2015, so it's pretty, pretty current. Pretty current. Um, thank you. Rhoda, you, you and I met because you're working with um, a few other, a few other companies and uh, you're working on um, just some, some distribution and, I would love to hear from your point of view, because I think distribution is really, it can be difficult. Um, but I would like to hear from you about what are the challenges of getting uh, an original production like yours or, or original productions through your company? What are the big challenges that you've found for women? And, you know, what can you share with us about that? Because we would really want to help some, some other women uh, who will probably who are facing these challenges? Uh, distribution actually is a challenge because uh, first of all, it was a challenge. It's now a challenge. When I started out, you have the big boys, whereby uh, you know if you're not if you don't go through uh, a sales agent or proper channel, they wouldn't buy your 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 distribution. Uh, they won't buy your project actually. And right. uh, so for me, that was a challenge because when I started out, it was really, really tough. Even though everybody loved me, uh, nobody was prepared to take on my uh, the show, which is the Rhoda Wilson show. That was because most of the talk shows are actually localized. And uh, from what I gathered when I went to all the festival markets like Cannes and and uh, Cannes, obviously, I always go to Cannes. Uh, and because it's only it's only uh, two hours away from me, is uh, is that many people I met there wouldn't accept the shows because they felt that it's more localized. The content that we that I made was uh, was uh, was not it was not substantial enough to 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 meet the distribution for international market. I mean, obviously, you talk about Oprah Winfrey, you talk about Elaine uh, Elaine. Those have already made their name. Their 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 talk show can uh, be transferred because of their their level of marketing behind it, and because of the the funds behind it. For people like myself who are independent producers, doing talk show and trying to transfer it from one continent to the other is very 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 tough. But this is why I feel that technology has actually helped people like myself because you now have online online distribution platform where you can put your show. So whilst it's great to have it on TV, you, you, you can also have that online. We do have it online. One of the things that always make me laugh when people come to me and say, look, why don't you put your project online? It's easy, it's easy. But they forget that you actually have to market it. I mean, Housewives and Girlfriend is online on Amazon Prime. 
but we're constantly spending money to market it. Imagine Amazon has like 100, 100 million titles on, on their platform. So for your platform to be visible, you need to, you need to continuously put it out there, advertise it, find various uh, a platform that would, that would promote and, and distribute your, your content. So for me, that is, that is one of my challenge, major, major challenge, because it's sitting down and say, okay, as an independent producer, where can I get my project? And where can I put on my, my films? Where can I put on my, my TV series? And where can I, where can I get uh, um, residue income over a period of time? Because sometimes you can't get the big box. But you can say, okay, every month I'm getting a couple of thousand here. I'm okay, maybe not thousand. Maybe I'm getting five hundred here, six hundred here. That and that in total would 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 um, would accumulate to to I don't know, maybe five six thousand uh, dollars a month. So that is something as as an independent producer I'm having to look at, and also work with somebody like yourself and work with various other partners and sit down and say, we want to go into this market. These are our challenges. Can you help us? You know, you're on the ground. Could you go out there and see what you can you can find for us and see if anybody to anybody's available to take our, our, our projects or productions? So right. it's it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And I'm being a woman, I must say, um, it is challenging uh, because uh, the movie industry, as far as based on my own experience, um, is is predominantly male dominated. And as for women as myself, trying to push the barriers and and trying to get companies to, to pick up our projects. It's often difficult. It's not impossible, but it's often difficult uh, right. to, to break that barrier. Right. What, what do you think has been um, one of your favorite, a favorite story from, from Housewives and, and Girlfriends in, in working on that production? Wow, my favorite, not my hardest, my hardest. Oh my God, my favorite is after 18 months of sleeping on the floor because I sold my back, <laughs> I sold everything. I slept on the floor, my back hurt. I was thinking to myself, oh my God, is this ever going to end? Is this ever going to end? And then I called a friend of mine, Rex, uh, from uh, Sheridan Solicitors, and I said, look, Rex, I've got a housewife and girlfriend. Do you know anybody who's interested who might take it on? So actually, but I've got a, a lady from African Magic who's in London. And uh, yeah, she might be interested to meet you. Ah, uh, uh, what can I say? <laughs> that was it. I was, I t it's like, what, really? Somebody wants to meet me? You Really? <laughs> And uh, and that was it. So uh, African Magic took it. Uh, they took the first season, which was a real boost for us. And uh, we we were so excited. For me, that that had to be. Tell us a little bit about your uh, production process when you're shooting a show. Um, you know, how big is your crew, and how do you cast? And how, tell us a little about that. When I did the Rita Wilson show, um, this was many years ago. Uh, I was actually I had a studio. I had uh, I had my crew, I had my PA, my production assistant. We had two cameras. We had camera operator. We had sound. We had makeup artist. We had stylist. So I can't remember. I probably say maybe ten in total. We had an average of ten uh, at any one time when I was doing my show. And um, obviously things are now different. You could do a beautiful show without having all this three cameras, one on you, one on the guest, two white shots. You know, you could just go out there and use your Samsung or use whatever it is uh, 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 to make a good, uh, a good production. So that is, that is what I did for the Wilder Wilson show. But obviously, as the year progresses, and obviously cost us, obviously, is a very important factor. And we find that it was costing us more money for what we're getting in terms of sponsorship and people preparing to support us. Now we've had to change the way we, we film. So rather than have 10 or, or 15 or whatever it is uh, crew to support us, we've had to gradually reduce that to just one camera or two, one camera guy with, uh, with, uh, with three cameras, and he locks one, one is set on you, the other one is set on, on, on the guest, and, and, and so on. And we've had to change our, our studio as well because we find that rather than have a studio, because 
my mistake when I went into the Vera Wilson show was I had a studio. I thought I want to be Oprah Winfrey. I'll have a studio of my own. But God, <laughs> was it expensive. It was totally expensive. And we didn't use it all the time. We only use it like, like the way I used to do my show is I bring everybody in for the week and we do a lot of back-to-back interviews and then mm-hmm. it's done for that week. So for the rest of the time, the studios were empty. Mm. So what do you do? Right. And people were not prepared to pay the cost or the price of hiring the studio because you feel that you have to cover your own cost. So as a result of that, what we had to do was basically what I had to do, I had to make the painful decision for the world of to ensure to say, look, solid, we're not going to use the studio. We no longer want a studio. We'll do it as and when, or we rent studios as and when we need it. Let somebody else take on board the burden of the cost. So that's what happened with the Rhoda Wilson show. We're actually shooting Housewives and Girlfriends. The the crew, I mean, it's a lot. Uh, in terms of the cast, I mean, the first season we had 62 casts, which was like practically everybody in Nollywood, UK at the time. <laughs> and uh, so it was really, really, really stressful. And I remember actually, and this is a true fact, and it's a very painful fact, I actually lost most of my hair. Oh, so stressful, so demanding. It was excruciating. And don't forget as well, I was investing all the monies because what happened with our wives and girlfriends was we went out to the market. Everybody was excited about the project. We met investors, we met um, angels, uh, we met various people who were prepared to invest in the project. And when we went to them and we gave them what we were looking for, some of them came back to us and told us that the, the money was too low. We should increase it. So we increased it. We increased it. We went back to them. They were like, yes, we're waiting for a project in Dubai to, to come off uh, offline. And um, unfortunately, that project never came offline. So the monies we were expecting never came. So I ended up having to bankroll it myself because uh, I've I'd already committed to venues, I've already committed to locations, I've already committed to cast. So therefore, if I had drawn back on that particular, uh, if I'd cancelled the production, I think it would have been worse for me than it is for me today because today everybody would look back and say, wow, Ashraf and Girlfriend was the best thing that's ever happened to Nollywood UK. So uh, having 62 production at 62 cast members actually was really, really tough. So we had to go through the process. And I was being kind and being nice because I wanted everybody to feel that they had a part in the growth of Nollywood UK. So everybody was involved and it was a huge cast. It was a huge, it was, ah, thinking about it, I don't know how I did it. Because it was really, really, it was, it was, it was really, it was tough. It was tough. That's what I can say. So the production process is the same for series. You bring everybody together. You look for the location. You get every, everybody into the location. Obviously, your crew is there. You book accommodation for your crew. You do your rehearsal. You, you, you shoot. Uh, do as many takes as possible. Then you move on to the next scene. But when I do production itself, I always try to do it by location. So it saves cost. So we are going to, it, it doesn't matter the scene number. This is, this is from my own experience. So if we've got scene one, scene six, scene seven, scene eight, we have to make sure that uh, all those scenes are done in the location where they're meant to be. This is where your continuity person comes into play. It is so sure. important to have a continuity person because the continuity person would ensure that, you know, you have the continuity. If you did one, uh, scene one, I will end up doing scene 20. When we go back doing the right scene, there's the continuity uh, 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 on the script. So, yeah, so the crew depends, uh, uh, if I may say, the crew depends on, 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 the, uh, on the production itself. Are you a script writer? Yes and no. Uh, what I tend to do is I tend to develop the stories myself because I'm a storyteller. I like meeting people. I like meeting when I'm at the bus stop in London. I like talking to all the old ladies or the old men, find out what they're doing and, and, and get inspiration from that. So what I do is I actually come up with the storylines myself. And then I get a scriptwriter to create the dialogue uh, for, for, the, for, the, for the script. But if we're on set and it's very, very tough to get a scriptwriter to, to, to change the scene or to write an additional scene, I end up having to do it myself. Uh, just mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm on set, uh, the, the screenwriter is not available and, uh, and we had to change the scene. 
So so I just have to do it myself. Yeah, I'm forced to do it. <laughs> You're primarily yeah. the show runner, but also sometimes yeah. the scriptwriter. Correct. Rhoda, right. I want to ask you a little bit about about UK Nollywood because it's very unique. That is correct. Yeah, um, UK Nollywood is uh, is uh, I suppose an offshoot from uh, from uh, Nollywood itself in Nigeria, which is the motherland of uh, of Nollywood. Uh, and Nollywood is a term that is used to describe Nigerian film industry or movie industry. And it is coined from Hollywood and Bollywood. Bollywood being an, uh, the Indian movie industry and Hollywood, like you know, Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, so Nollywood itself is, a, is just a term that is used to describe the Nigerian film industry. Who is supporting the Nigerian film industry in the UK? Ah, what a tough question. Uh, no one at the moment that I know that is supporting okay. it. We, our publicity, I'm one of the main stakeholders in the industry just because I have invested so much money in the industry. So uh, each person, each producers or directors, as it may be, are supporting the industry in their own little ways just because we do not have a main person supporting the industry at the moment. Now, when you look at Nigeria, it's totally different. You know, it's an established market. It's right. easy to go out there and raise funds. It's easy to talk to people. Having said that, like any any industry, it is quite, it, it, there's a tendency to slightly needed. So unless somebody knows you, uh, things like that, it's, it can't be, it's not all the time difficult, but you have to maneuver those challenges. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, but you know, in in Nigeria, it's much easier to to maneuver than it is in the UK. So, as producer like myself and director like myself, I support the industry and continue to to promote it. Like I'm talking to you now, and 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 I'm doing workshop on Monday. I mean, sorry, tomorrow for the kids. I'm doing my producers talk on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, the twentieth, and just continue to promote it. That's that that is what we do. So everybody's promoting it, as as you said. Right. How has the coronavirus impacted your work? Has it impacted your work? For somebody who is as busy as me, uh, the coronavirus has done two things for me. Uh, one of them is that it's made me slow down. Uh, it's made me reassess the way I work. It's made me look at the whole business as a whole. And, um, and it's made me you know, see where areas that we can develop. So that is one of the things coronavirus has done for for me. In terms of my business, because I'm a production company, people and I've got projects and I've got films that is is available for distribution. I'm getting constant messages. I listen Netflix. They need movies. Amazon need movies. Do you have anything you can send to us? So now I'm having to go out to people to say, listen, do you have anything? We've sent this to them already, but do you have something I can I can have? So there's actually more demand for for my. Uh, project and, and people around me just because people are home we need to keep them entertained so and there's only so much repeats you can you can put out there for people to be uh, to be engaged you need to constantly keep them engaged if you do too many repeats in on your on your station it's a turn off for for many viewers or audience so as a result of that for people like me i'm constant at the moment i think i am so not i think i am very busy extremely busy uh, trying to pull together productions. I've got my own distribution that I do for the people. So I'm having to send that, also having to ask them if they've got any additional that they can send to me and, uh, and having to, and having to, to share that with, uh, with other platforms that uh, they're desperately in need of content. Hey, Rhoda, I know that Teresa's going to ask you a final question, but before she does that, I wanted to see if you can give us your social media handles so people can find you. Yes, I on Instagram, I'm Rhoda1, and that is number one uh, on Instagram. On Twitter, I'm Rhoda Wilson TV. So on Instagram, I'm Rhoda Wilson1. On Twitter, I'm Rhoda Wilson TV. And on Facebook, I'm Rhoda Wilson Productions. On LinkedIn, you can find me under Rhoda Wilson Productions or Rhoda Wilson. Great. Thank you. So Rhoda, you know, hoping against hope 
that we get past the coronavirus. Tell us, what's your idea for your five-year plan? What would you like to be doing five years from now? Uh, the children are very important uh, uh, for me, uh, Teresa, at the moment, because I believe that if you are going to leave a legacy, you've got to look at the youth, not people around me. So for me, it's growing that industry. This is why my TV, uh, my movie is geared towards the, the children at the moment. I am also interested in doing more TV series, but involving the kids in the TV series and gradually grow that talent. Because in the UK, we do not have the opportunity as the US over in Nigeria, where young kids are actually successful in terms of being on TV or being not so much being on TV, but being on YouTube. So for me, in the next five years, that's one of the things I want to do and just continue to do what I love doing, which is producing and directing. And also continue to promote women as directors because I was quite surprised when I saw the, is it the um, uh, movie um, association uh, production um, figures, uh, is it MAPP? It says that 51% of cinema goers are women. Yet the number of women directors are so minute, it's unbelievable. In 2020, um, there was- I'm shaking a, my head. <laughs> you're shaking your head. In 2020, um, there was a World Forum uh, article that shows that in 2019, only 10% of the US film that came out was actually directed by women. Do you know there's only one woman that's ever won an Oscar as a director when I mean it, uh, when I say I'm a woman director? So for me, I hope that I will continue to inspire young people, young kids and young girls, and also guys as well, because we also have to recognize them. I always say to people when I, when I used to campaign for women's rights uh, as a deputy CEO for, for Women for Africa, a grassroots uh, charity fund, is that Having women, and we, the women already, they know what the issue is, but you have to bring the men along. So for me, it's not just about the women, and not just about promoting uh, a women as director, but it's also getting the men to understand that they need to recognize us as well as directors and give us the opportunity to shine in the, on those platforms. So for me, in the next five years, that's what gonna, I'm going to be doing, promoting uh, uh, women as directors, uh, promoting the young kids, and continue what I love to do, which is production, 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 and be as creative and as creative and as creative as possible. <laughs> That's great. Well, I, I support your vision, absolutely. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you. <laughs> well, Ms. Ms. Roth, uh, would yes. you love to say goodbye to, to Ms. Wilson? And, and uh, for me, Rhoda, thank you so much. Rhoda, no, it's been you. a real pleasure talking to you. I can't wait to get on Amazon and take a look at your show. And for uh, Girls on Film, we are out. Wait, don't touch that dial. Always wanted to say that, even if dial is only a soap these days, the girls have another great interview in this podcast. It's a secret bonus for anyone who didn't punch out right after Teresa said, we are out. Coming up, it's the founder of the Socially Distant Fest, Facebook's crazy popular online music festival where everyone gets a chance to take the stage. He's former Constellations member and barbecue expert Jake Allen. The Socially Distant Fest was created to ease the burden of canceled gigs and lost paydays. What started out as Jake and a few friends going to play some tunes on Facebook blossomed into thousands of fans and musicians supporting each other in the time of COVID-19. Somebody's got to support us, right? Festival fans and just plain music lovers are flocking to the Socially Distant Fest, and Girls on Film has the man himself, Jake Allen, talking about his view of a Festivus for the rest of us. Everybody, this is Sarah Smith with Girls on Film, and we are still under the coronavirus quarantine, aren't we, Teresa? Yes, I need a quarantini right now, I think, even though it's only two o'clock. <laughs> and and 
what 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 day is it? I keep forgetting. That's part of the quarantine thing. It's Wednesday. Wednesday the sixth. And the only reason I know that is because yesterday was Cinco de Mayo. Oh right. Yeah. (laughs) How did you celebrate your Cinco de Mayo, Jake? How did we celebrate Cinco? The way any good American celebrates Cinco de Mayo with Mexican beer and Mexican food. Perfect. Did you did you go through a drive through or did you do it at your house or what'd you do? No, we we uh, did some takeout. Oh, perfect. Went to a, a local restaurant and supported a local business with our dollars for for Cinco de Mayo. Teresa, you didn't introduce you didn't introduce Jake. Oh, I'm. Oh yeah. I'm so sorry, everybody. I, I'm going to introduce you with your full name. This is Jacob Samuel Allen, better known as Jake. Welcome, Jake. That's me. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm really, really happy to be here with you all tonight. And Today, not tonight. Okay. What is time right, right now? What the hell is, what? what is a day? What is a day? <laughs> I'm going to say something awful because I told Teresa this earlier. I was watching Bill Maher <laughs> the other day and he was like, I don't know what day it is. I don't know. He, and he, he said, now when I go, when I jump on the can in the morning, I think different shit, same day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am totally going to use that. Please. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> we were introduced through our mutual friend, Mr. Mitch Leff, who is. Hey, guys. Mitch. I'm here. There he is, Mitch. Mitch. Mitch, welcome to the podcast, Girls on Film. I'm just about to introduce you, but I'm going to let you introduce yourself. <laughs> I am uh, Mitch Leff. I am the uh, owner, president, uh, chief bottle washer with uh, Leff & Associates Public Relations here in Atlanta. And uh, we do a lot of work with all different clients. And we're happy to be able to be uh, working with Jake on his uh, socially distant fest and uh, connect you guys and talk a little bit about what he's got going on. That's great. Right. Jeff. Jake, Jake, I'm, I'm putting Mitch Left and Jake together, so I'm calling you both Jeff. Okay? <laughs> you sound like my grandmother. <laughs> it's the quarantine brain. Well, well, Mitch and, and Jake, I'm Teresa, Teresa Roth. It's so nice to meet you guys, and thanks for being here. Happy to do it. Oh, thanks for having us. And you missed my dirty joke, didn't you, Mitch? This is a new one that I haven't heard before? All right, you tell me later. No, it's fine. No, I'll, yeah, absolutely. We should repeat that. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) Jake, Mitch sent me um, some information about your socially distant fast. And Teresa and I were checking it out on Facebook. We're on Facebook all the time. And um, I'm so glad that Mitch brought that to our attention because it is such a new world for independent artists either, you know, entertainers, singers, songwriters, et cetera. Um, if you're not, you know, TI and you don't have a sound studio that you own that you can go into or a recording studio in your house, um, what do you, how do you, you know, how do you do this and, and how do you get paid? But so how did you, how did you come up with this idea? Uh, well, it actually started on March 15th, my, my wife's birthday. I just decided to turn my phone around and go live on Facebook to play a song on my banjo for a few friends. Um, and they really enjoyed it. And so as soon as we got done, I said, Hey, why don't, why don't we all get together in a week from today and we'll all just play shows for each other just to keep ourselves entertained while we're stuck at home. And that that's how it started. Wow. Holy moly. You create, so you created a page Tell us what you did. I want to hear the process of how you did this. Well, first, I just created an event. Uh, I was like, okay, we'll just go live. I'll make an event. Maybe we'll get a few other bands that want to play or something. Um, And then I had a friend of my wife's saw the event notification and said, hey, this is really cool. Do you mind if I make a flyer for your event? I said, sure. Yeah, if you want to make a flyer for it, that's fine. Uh, That was Elizabeth Connor. She's she's one of our main people in the group now. she made the flyer in about 10 minutes and put it up. And within about an hour or two after that, there was a lot of interest in our little uh, upcoming one day festival. So then we decided, well, maybe we need to make a, a page for this thing. So we made a page and then 
somebody told us, oh, maybe I should just do a group instead. Oh, I know what it was. What had happened was somebody had sent me a link to um, Kimono My House. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it's a, a virtual house party group on Facebook. Um, and so I went over and I checked out their group and saw that people were going live in there. And I thought, oh, that's a really cool idea. Maybe that's the way we should go, the route we should take for this festival is have a group and then we can all go live within the group. So we created a Facebook group, which is where we are now with the Socially Distant Fest Facebook group. And within, gosh, I mean, within a couple of days, we had a few thousand people <laughs> were interested in either watching or participating in our Sunday showcase. And then by, oh, Thursday of that first week, we had started receiving submissions of people that wanted to play. And by that day, I think we had over 200 submissions from people that were interested in playing our virtual festival the, the following Sunday. That is just remarkable. Uh, and, and it was wild. Is it from far and wide, is it mostly America or where's it from? It started off, it started off fairly regionally because I'm, I'm just outside of Atlanta and then Elizabeth and probably about half of our other team is just outside of Nashville. So we're, we're pretty much based in, in the Atlanta, Nashville area. So at first it was mostly local musicians either in Nashville or here. Uh, but it, I don't know. I don't know how people caught wind of it exactly. Um, word of mouth, I guess. But we started getting a lot of submissions from bands and artists that were booked to perform at South by Southwest, which had been canceled that same week. So I think there were a lot of people who were really excited to be playing a festival and then had the rug pulled out from under them. So they just started looking around for anywhere they could to, to play and they found our group. That is great. I mean, I hope that you plan to, you know, God help us. Please let us get over this virus thing. But I hope that you plan to just keep working this. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm in I'm in love with what um, came out of this event that we started to plan, because initially it was just going to be the one Sunday, um, whatever that following week was after March 15th, just like three or four hours we were going to do. Then we had so much interest in people wanting to do the showcase that we said, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll do one this Sunday and then we can do another one the following Sunday just so we can, you know, highlight a few more people. But it was during that, that planning stage of that initial uh, festival that we were going to do that what sprung out of this group, uh, what, what I've really fell in love with happened. I went live just to make an announcement about the festival. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm going live and it's a music festival thing. I feel like I should at least play something <laughs> for some people. So I grabbed my banjo and I played a few songs for everybody. And then uh, I asked another friend of mine after I got done, I said, hey, would you mind just hopping up in the group and playing a few songs as well? And so he hopped up, played a little set for us all. And then somebody else asked if they could hop up and then somebody else asked if they could. And that was the point that we realized we actually had something really special, which was an open mic format for people all over the place just to go live and entertain others. When, and I think what's really interesting is it's not, I don't want to say only, but it's not only people doing music. It's a lot of other kinds of performances, right? Right, Jake? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm a musician, so that's the background that I come from, and that's usually my frame of reference for any of this. But we absolutely love all performances. We have a storyteller. Uh, his name is Callum Lichen. He is an amazing storyteller. He hops up all the time. He's Scottish. He loves getting up and telling Scottish folk tales. And it is just so interesting to listen to him telling those tales with his accent. I can't get enough of it. Um, we have fire performers we have poets uh the one thing we do not have yet that i've since day one i've asked if anybody can get a comedian on here please i want to see some comedy because i'll be 42 in june and i've never been to a comedy show in my life so what yeah i know uh, yeah it's sad okay <laughs> it is 
I feel I'm going to cry. I I think about crying about it often. <laughs> you know, I'm, it's really interesting because I'm I'm joining your group. I just look to join, and it said answer the questions. And um, I would like to uh, ask you about how you came up with those. But one of the things I wanted to say was that you know this is the public group. You have 159,639 members in in two months. Hello. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Unbelievable. That is amazing. I I don't know. I <laughs> I had a friend call me up not too long ago and he said, Man, Jake, you went viral in a pandemic. That's really <laughs> impressive. And, and it started so swiftly. It did. It's amazing. It did. Um it, I think we're adding somewhere I, I'm not the numbers person. Uh, but I think we're adding somewhere close to a thousand people every couple of days. So it just keeps okay. keeps building. Tell me about number one, tip the artists. Tip the that that um was one of the first things that we came up with. So initially, like I said, it was just gonna be that one festival, uh one Sunday. And then after I went up and played, my buddy Jonathan got up and played. And I was like, hey, man, just go ahead and stick a, a tip jar up there, you know, and see if see if you get anything off of it. And he did. And we were like, wow, OK, so this is a way that people can get on here and maybe some of these musicians can recoup some of the financial losses that they're seeing from not being able to play any shows. So, right. number one, it, it does say tip your artist, but that is definitely if you have the means please tip your artist. You know, we don't expect everybody to be able to do that because I mean, what was the last number? 20 million, 30 million people unemployed in this country in the past yeah. two months. So, you know, we obviously do not expect everybody to tip. I myself can't really, I can't afford to tip either, you know? So, um, well, what about, what about, if you have the means, what about you and the site? I mean, are you going to get sponsorships? That's definitely something we're looking into. Uh, we don't have we. I I almost said we don't have any, but I take that back. We did receive a a little bit of a sponsorship from a nonprofit organization, um, Worldwide Musicians United (WWMU). It's a really cool NPO. Um, they've got a lot of cool stuff going on over on their website. I hadn't checked it out until yesterday, but they do some really neat stuff. They have um, virtual teams where they get musicians together from all over the world and assign each of them a task. And they come up with a song and try and put out a, a single uh, over the span of a few weeks or months, however long it takes to, to put one together. Um, but they do a lot of, of really good work with helping musicians around the world. And they saw what we were doing, reached out to us. And asked if they could cut us a little check to help pay our volunteer staff. And so uh, we really appreciated that because for two months now, we've had people working basically 24-7 on this voluntarily. And so it was really nice to be able to to toss a little coin to your witcher, as it were. Um, and get them something for their efforts. Well, it's just great. So, so Jake, so I know you've got like scheduled performances, but you, you've got like open mic night too, right? How does, how does that work? Yeah, that's uh, ev all day. Every day is open mic night over at socially distant fest. Um, except for the five hours on Sundays that we do our Sunday showcase. Anybody is permitted to do a live performance at any time. Uh, there's no scheduling required or anything. All we ask is that you go to our group page and then go live from our page and, and do your thing, whatever whatever type of performance you're into. Uh, we take all comers. So what are some of the more what are what are some of the more unusual kinds of performances that you've seen so far? Uh let's see. We had this guy on just the other day who is a, a out of work circus performer. Um, we had him juggling knives on a balance board. That was that was pretty entertaining. We we had one guy that did some old sideshow uh, stunts as well on a bed of nails. Uh, oh that was gosh. pretty interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Jake, I have a I have a question for you. Um, 
you are a musician and how many years have you been performing oh man i joined my first band in 1992 okay. i think okay. uh 92 95 yeah it was 92 or 93 i was either a freshman or a sophomore in high school when I joined my first band okay. and we started playing shows uh, immediately. So I'd say, gosh, a couple of decades of, of performing. And is this your um, main occupation? No, no, not at all. I am a manager at Queenie's Barbecue inside of Reformation Brewery in downtown Woodstock. Oh, that is man. Yep. Teresa, we're going there. Absolutely. <laughs> Please. Dinner tonight. Oh, I can't wait to get out and go. We have the best brisket in the state of Georgia. Okay. You say no more. Say no more. I, I grew up in West Texas where, where brisket is life. And, <laughs> and so I am supremely proud of the brisket that we have over at Queenie's Barbecue. I will I will match it up against brisket from anywhere. Some of my Jewish friends from from Manhattan might have issue with you there, but but you know, they, it's a it's a different kind of brisket though. Okay, <laughs> this is this is Texas it's brisket, Texas but brisket. you're right. <laughs> um, no, but I I haven't made money playing music in quite some time. Uh, the last time I was in a band where I actually got paid to perform would have been. In 2008 or 2009, I was in a local Atlanta band called The Constellations. Um, that's actually where I met my wife. We both started in the band on the same day. Wow. Wow. Yep. Well, if this site keeps going the way it's going, you may very well be making money off your music site or entertainment site. I wouldn't complain if that were the case. I'm not sure how to make that happen yet. You know, that is definitely something we're exploring. Uh, but we have not come up with anything as of now. We're just right now. We are just really happy with what's going on with the site itself, um, with the whole group and people getting up and doing the open mic night thing. Um, I'm 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 in love with that. I it's it's the greatest thing in the world to me because I get on there every day and I get to find new music, new musicians. I get to meet new people, either the performers or the audience that are on there commenting. Um, and it's just such a positive and welcoming and loving place that I, I can't get over how great it is. Do you have other sites that you've seen where people are doing similar things? Yeah. And, and what do you think about um, the future of technology and entertainment for, for the, for the one man band? Um, well, to your first question, definitely there are a lot of other sites that are doing similar things. Like I said, one of the first things that I looked at when I started this was uh, Kimono My House. That's a, the virtual um, house party group on Facebook. And then there are a number of other places that have popped up either right around the same time as us or immediately following what we did. There's the um, Social Distance Fest which they've got a really slick website and it looks really good. Um, I haven't actually been over there to check it out yet. I've been a little too busy, but there are a number of other, of other groups that have popped up that are very, very similar. Um, karaoke quarantine karaoke. That's another similar site. And actually we have a lot of performers from our group that do go and perform in, in some of the other uh, similar websites as well. Similar Facebook groups. Well, we are going to have to um, jump off now. And I just want you to know that we have just shared your festival with uh, my Girls on Girls on Film um, page. Okay. And uh, uh, just try to join, um, join your group. And um, really, really excited to make your acquaintance. And and eat some preemies in the future and <laughs> please do and Teresa, what do you, you want to take us out all right so thanks everybody for joining us today make sure you go to jake's site and listen to these fantastic artists and entertainers so we are girls on film and we are out
Wouldn't feel right just getting up here and talking because we're all about playing some music here. Oh god, my hair is insane. We're all about playing music here. Um, so, I'm gonna play something. I don't play the acoustic guitar so much anymore. Um, but, we're gonna try something anyway. It's a traditional Mexican folk song, mariachi song. It's called La Malagueña. I gotta remember not to play it too fast because I will really really mess it up, so. Si por pobre me desprecias, yo te encontro razón, yo te encontro razón, si por pobre me desprecias. Yo no te ofrezco riquezas, te ofrezco mi corazón. Te ofrezco mi corazón a cambio de mi pobreza. Malagueña sale rosa. Besa tus labios que será, besa tus labios que será. Malagueña sale rosa y decirte, niña hermosa. Thanks again for coming to Socially Distant Fest. We love y'all. And I ask again, who's up next? <laughs>